With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Today, we've got good... I think kind of crazy, and then definitely crazy martinis today. Uh, kind of your choice for the second one. It's, I think it's a really fun one, though. We're actually going to spend a little bit of time talking about the contents of the New York Times today. And so let's start from a source where, I don't know, Jim, a decade, 15, 20 years ago, uh, you would not expect an article critical of the left coming from Anna Marie Cox. For some people who are younger, you might not even recognize that name, but she had some sort of uh, website back in the day. What was it called? I don't even remember now, but uh, something sort of... Oh, Wonkette. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Wonkette. Yes. Anyway, she's uh, writing for the New York Times, and in this column, she's urging the Democrats not to assume that uh, nothing bad is going to happen from the uh, House Republican investigation into the Biden family, and specifically Hunter Biden. She writes, as wild as the accusations against him are, and that's certainly debatable, uh, the one nugget of irreducible truth is Hunter Biden's privilege. It has served him as a just-about-literal-get-out-of-jail-free pass. The same is true for countless other politicians' kids, certainly including Donald Trump's, but pointing out the double standard won't be enough to defang Republican criticism, and neither will just waiting for it all to blow over. Democrats have tried ignoring Republican fishing expeditions before, hoping that the accusations would evaporate or that voters wouldn't really care. Sometimes that works, such as Operation Fast and Furious, which is tragic. But with enough prolonged effort, they really can do damage. They succeeded in tarnishing the Clinton brand forever. She's still carrying a torch for the Clintons. Whatever Hunter Biden did or didn't do, if his father endorses the Justice Department investigation and promises to stay out of it entirely, that would elevate law enforcement's slow and steady conventional machinery over the thirsty ravings of far-right Congress members. So she's clearly not sympathetic to the investigation of Hunter Biden, Jim, which I would argue is quite warranted if uh, what we're hearing about is on that laptop is pretty accurate. And so far, we have no reason to believe it's not. But does she have a a point for telling Democrats uh, to be as uh, fair on this as they would be if it was somebody from the other side? Obviously, that would seem to make a lot of sense. But uh, I don't know if the Democrats will listen to her. Well, Greg, I should begin by saying that of all the liberal or progressive writers, talking heads, pundits out there, uh, Anna Marie Cox, for a really long stretch, was one of my favorites. We were on panels together, and she just struck me as being much more reasonable and much more less likely. But you know, uh, in addition to being just a delightful person, um, she was l- unlikely to pee on your leg and tell you it was raining. You know that she was a, a straight shooter uh, as far as they go on that side. And I've kind of been waiting for somebody on the left to write a piece like this, which is that as much as you say, ah, you know, and and she indulges in it in this op-ed in the New York Times, no doubt about it. As much as you might want to dismiss Fox News, as much as you might want to dismiss Republicans and all that stuff. As you know, what's on the laptop is on the laptop. Hunter Biden's business you know, partners have been with you know shady foreign characters for a very long time. 
he gets all kinds of constant payments, whether it's the paintings or these, the Chinese guy who gave him that giant multi-carat diamond. Like, there's always been a cloud of of smoke around this guy. And the Department of Justice has investigated Hunter Biden, I think ironically, on two of the things that conservatives are least worried about, the application for a gun permit that he pretty clearly lied on, and uh, tax evasion. By the way, don't do those things. Those are bad things. But, you know, Republicans are much more, I think, curious about his business relationships and whether that has influenced his father's decision making in any way. Now, I what I've waited for somebody on the left to say is to say, you know, this kind of stinks. This kind of stinks. And if his name was, you know, Hunter Smith instead of Hunter Biden, he'd probably be in jail right now. And that there's not just one issue. It's not just two issues. There's a long list of things that probably would have gotten somebody else arrested and probably would have gotten somebody else sentenced to jail time. And oh, by the way, when your father describes himself as one of the architects of the war on drugs, that's a really big glaring hypocrisy there. And that as much as Democrats might want to say, ah, this is all crazy right-wing nonsense. Mm, no, there's some substance there. There are some real issues there that are worth doing it. What she calls for is I don't something I'm 99% certain will never happen, which is for Joe Biden to say, you know what? It is perfectly fine for the Department of Justice to investigate my son. I am confident my son will be exonerated. Go to it. I'm not going to tell the DOJ to stay away from anything. And Congress, you want to investigate, you investigate, it's fine. I, my suspicion is, you know, Biden, we may at some point give something like that, but that would kind of indicate that there is a legitimate reason for the Department of Justice to investigate Hunter Biden, and that thus there's a legitimate reason for Congress to be investigating Hunter Biden. And I think that's just something Biden psychologically cannot bring himself to say. When asked about Burisma, Joe Biden had said his son is like one of the smartest people he's ever met. Sorry, that's not the case. I, I don't. I don't believe you. Uh, Joe Biden said, my son has done nothing wrong. Sorry, I don't believe you. As a father, I understand the desire to defend your son from any and all critics and attackers. But Hunter Biden has been caught with his hand in the cookie jar quite a few cases. And it's really, by the way, one of the great ironies, you go back to Hunter Biden serving on the Burisma board. There were people in the Obama administration who said this is a really bad thing and he shouldn't do this. That at minimum, this creates the appearance of a conflict of interest. Why is this guy doing this work? He's completely not qualified. This looks really bad for us. And apparently, if anybody brought this up with Joe Biden, Joe Biden would just like get in the guy's face and say, how dare you say that about my son? Joe Biden was just too emotional to talk about the topic, which is one of the reasons this was not addressed. It's almost a certain sense, like a certain sense of like emotional blackmail on the part of Joe Biden. How dare you? Right. You know, and that, that as a result, we can't have these conversations about the son of a former vice president and the son of what was that then a future president and now the son of the president having all kinds of business deals with all kinds of shady characters. So I'd love for Democrats as a whole in the Biden administration to listen to Anna Marie Cox on this one. I don't think it's going to happen, though. No, and it's not like you need the president's blessing for the Justice Department to investigate Hunter Biden. Allegedly, they already are. At least the FBI is. Uh, they're slow rolling it here. And given the calendar, Jim, if they don't charge him in the next few months, I don't think they're going to charge him before November of 2024. But that might just be the cynic in me. Also curious is just her paragraph there about Operation Fast and Furious, which I think was legitimate. And the Clinton brand deserved to be tarnished. There's some Machiavellian advice here, along with some airbrushing of relatively recent history. So it's a it's an interesting combination. All right, one more bit of good news, Andy, and that is the fantastic deals you can find at fourpatriots.com slash martini, including their signature offer right now, a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. And of course, free shipping on all orders over $97. You want to be prepared. You don't want to get caught unprepared 
when your power goes out. It's going to happen eventually. It's just a question of whether you're in the dark for a few minutes, a few hours, or maybe even a few days or more. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X, worth its weight in gold. It's now got double the capacity and it'll keep your big appliances running, including your fridge, which is full of food that just keeps getting more and more expensive. It's got 12 outlets, including four AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than normal. So visit 4patriots.com martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com martini. That's 4patriots.com martini. All right, Jim, on to our second martini. Uh, I enjoyed this idea to, to a large extent. It's never going to happen, so I don't know if it's the crazy or the bad or what we call it, but it's from Greg Craig. I don't know what his parents were thinking when they knew the last name was Craig. But anyway, as someone with the first name of Greg, I, I sympathize. Nonetheless, uh, he is also in the New York Times. Uh, you might remember he worked uh, for Bill Clinton. He also worked uh, for a while under Obama. He was allegedly in charge of shutting down the prison at Gitmo. Remember that? Uh, nonetheless, uh, he's got a column today uh, urging an open primary for vice president on the Democratic side. He says allowing Democratic voters to pick the vice presidential nominee might address the Democrats' enthusiasm gap. If the status quo continues, no one on the Democratic side will excite or inspire a crowd. Giving Democratic voters a role in choosing the VP nominee would inject electricity and drama into an otherwise predictable, if not enervating process. It would allow the Democratic Party to showcase a new generation of younger political leaders who would otherwise be doing nothing more than clapping their hands on the sidelines. So, Jim, this is not exactly a rousing endorsement of the likely ticket for 2024 that he's trying to inject a little enthusiasm into this, uh, particularly on the vice presidential side. I'm sure Kamala Harris is thrilled at the idea of opening up a nomination process for vice president. Students of American history will know that back in the day, whoever came in second in the presidential race became vice president. Didn't last too long once Vice President Burr shot Alexander Hamilton. They decided to shake up the system a little bit. So anyway, I think it'd be fun. It's never going to happen. But uh, what do you make of uh, Greg Craig uh, musing about all this? I was going to say, OK, Greg, the Hamilton Burr, that's the worst case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I noticed this column and then I noticed uh, Mark Leibovich wrote the case for a primary challenge to Biden. There must be some free thinking Democrat who's willing to get into the race and I don't know about you, Greg. I think I don't think they come any more free thinking than Marianne Williamson, but uh, apparently that's not what you know, not who he's looking for. Leibovich had written last year, I think around midsummer or so, that yeah, okay, Biden can run for another term, but who are we kidding? At age eighty-six, at the at, at the end of his second term, he's not going to be capable of being president anymore. And I think Democrats are suddenly realizing that they all unified behind Joe Biden in early twenty twenty when they really didn't want Bernie Sanders to be the nominee because they thought he would lose. And they really just wanted to beat Donald Trump. And there was almost this sense of, and we'll worry about his age later. Well, here we are, and it's later. And uh, Democrats are realizing that because there is no serious primary challenger and that Biden is showing no intention of stepping down or, or not running for another term, that, you know, the first of all, even if he did decide to not run for another term, the de facto most likely nominee would be Kamala Harris, who in the last two years and change has basically burned up any Democratic faith in her. And we get, you know, major mainstream media pieces laying that out with gruesome detail about every two weeks or so. 
so now they're like, oh my God, you know, we don't like Biden and he's going to be 80, you know, he's in his, he turned 80. He's going to be 81 next year when he's running for re-election. He'll turn 82 shortly after election day. So he would be in, you know, age 82 to age 86 in his second term. And they, they, they realize that's just, it's too, he doesn't look like he's in great shape now, you know, despite what they, the president's doctors say. Um, they can hear him. They can see him. They know this is not the Joe Biden who was vice president a couple of years ago, but now they're stuck with them. They, there is no easy way to get rid of them. And Greg Craig puts his finger on the problem. The finger on the problem is that ordinarily, if everybody had faith in Kamala Harris, the public attitude would be very different. Nobody has public. So what it is, is Greg Craig is trying to come up with a way to replace Kamala Harris without kind of coming out and directly saying Kamala Harris is a disaster. Joe Biden completely botched the first major decision he made as the Democratic Party nominee. He had, you know, boxed himself in by pledging it would be a woman, by pledging it would be a woman of color. And of the women of color in the Democratic Party, only Kamala Harris is the one who could be seriously perceived as a president. Um, there were other folks like uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms and Susan Rice, but none of them had run for office before uh, on the statewide level. None of them had the name recognition. None of them had the stature ready to be a heartbeat away from the presidency particularly when that heartbeat is Joe Biden's. So he was stuck with her. And I think the Greg Craig is saying, look, Democrats, how did we get in this mess? Like, we, this is terrible. We are nominating a geriatric and by a who has a running mate who's perceived as babbling and incompetent. How did we as a major, and this, the, you know, waiting in the wings as either Trump or DeSantis, who they see as the end of the world. I don't think it's a realistic, I don't think anybody's going to take this seriously. But I think it's kind of funny how it illustrates this. I guess probably the closest comparison you could make to the perception of Kamala Harris these days probably would be Dan Quayle in the Bush, George H.W. Bush years. And Dan Quayle got a raw deal. As soon as the, you know, oh, he's an idiot label got stuck to him, then every time he made any verbal flub, it was going to be turned into a big deal. Sometimes he made his bed like with the potato incident in the school and all that stuff. But there was this perception of like, what happens when the president selects the running mate? And what if the rest of the party or what if they what if people don't like the vice president as much? This is the scenario we're dealing with. And I think Greg Craig puts his finger on something. It's this very weird point that like the country elects the president, states elect the senators and governors, districts elect house members. Everybody's accountable to a whole bunch of people. But the selection of the vice president, really an important job when you think about how many presidents have either uh, been assassinated, passed away, uh, unable to fulfill, you know, finish their terms. Picking a running mate is a really big deal. And we leave it to one person who is probably simultaneously trying to figure out how to win the upcoming election and which running mate will most help them do that, and who's ready to run the country if, God forbid, something happens to me. And unfortunately, I think it's this now an almost universal sense, Joe Biden fumbled it. Well, it would be so much fun. I mean, you see you have people deciding whether to run for one office or, or another. Do you run for re-election? Do you to try to take a step up and run for governor or president or whatever it is? I'm trying to imagine people with this huge cheering rally announcing their candidacy for vice president, which means you're basically going to be at the whim of whoever the presidential candidate is. Which, but it could get fun, you know, if you end up being people that don't like each other. And, and then in one debate, the presidential nominee says, oh, yeah, here's, here's what we're going to do on this issue. And the vice presidential nominee says, I don't think so. I don't think so. That's that's not where I'd take this. And then uh, then the real fun begins. But uh, I can just imagine kind of a, a giant March Madness style bracket. And if maybe everybody starts running for president and then you kind of in the first round, whoever loses in the first round, you get demoted to the loser's bracket, which is for vice president. And somehow <laughs> you work it out that way. So uh, it's just fascinating. You know, considering how we're likely to have several presidential candidates who are seriously running for vice president 
what, what if we did it? What if we set a separate I'm running for vice president <laughs> contest? What, you know, there's already kind of an unofficial one where everybody tries to build up their name ID and all that kind of stuff. Why not? Let's go for it. Let's do it that way. No, no. I will do the most to be loyal to this president without any second thoughts. I will be the one that does whatever they want without any pushback whatsoever. Am, Those would be really, really. I, say, I am solidly behind the agenda of TBD. <laughs> That's right. You wouldn't even know who it is. I don't even know who the presidential nominee is, but I can tell you I would be loyal to a fault. Oh, man. Good idea, Greg Craig. Never going to happen, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to think about. Is the federal government using inflation to enforce their green agenda? If your energy price goes up, they'll try to sell you an electric vehicle. But if the price of your groceries go up, the Fed can do absolutely nothing. How do you get relief in your wallet while the federal government turns us into Europe? Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cartels are exploiting Indian reservations to get into America, and our federal government can't be bothered to stop it. Hey, y'all, it's Sarah Carter from The Sarah Carter Show. I just got back from two trips to our southern border, and I want to take you inside a huge hotspot where thousands of migrants are coming into America every day. I was with a member of the National Border Patrol Council when the Border Patrol nabbed multiple illegal migrants who are breaking U.S. law, and I have the exclusive audio. For all this and more, subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show on your favorite podcast app. All right, on to our crazy martini now, and kind of a quick follow-up to yesterday's uh, uh, good martini with uh, the Department of Energy uh, talking about the lab leak in, in Wuhan. Amazingly, on the left, Jim, they just can't accept it. And the first place you see this is with the late night hosts who were so high on their own supply, as you might say, when it comes to uh, COVID lockdowns and stuff. In fact, I think Colbert's audience is still wearing masks. I think they're going to keep it that way until uh, Biden uh, arbitrarily lifts the national emergency in May. Anyway, uh, so last night, Colbert is talking about the Department of Energy. Here's how he tries to downplay their conclusions. Pivot fingers, please. (laughs) Now, if, like me, you're wondering why the Department of Energy is the one making this judgment, it's because that agency oversees a network of U.S. national laboratories, some of which conduct advanced biological research. No. No. (laughs) Bad energy department. No bio labs until you finish building your electric car charging stations. (laughs) Stay in your lane. You You don't see the Census Bureau building nukes. Uh, so as you explained yesterday, Jim, obviously the Department of Energy and Lawrence Livermore Labs, they've got a lot of reasons to be involved in this particular issue. But the bigger issue and how Colbert is responding and The Daily Show is doing the same thing, I imagine others are as well, is they just 
can't accept that the original talking points might have been wrong. Yes, and I'm reminded of what I thought was, you know, probably one of the best late night segments, maybe of all time, uh, certainly of that year, when Jon Stewart, you know, Stephen Colbert's former co-worker slash boss on The Daily Show back when he was, uh, they were on that show together. Jon Stewart was a guest and seemingly, I don't know, are they talking about current events and Jon Stewart goes into his hilarious tirade that basically is Occam's razor. <laughs> Where he says, you know, well, maybe we should. Go. Where did the virus come from? Maybe we should look at the virus lab. And he made this hilarious comparison of if there was a terrible outbreak of chocolatey goodness in Hershey, Pennsylvania, we would probably begin by looking at the Hershey factory. Um, and you could see how visibly uncomfortable Stephen Colbert was during that segment. Now, I don't know if this is because CBS is owned by a parent company that's got issue that's got all kinds of interests over in China. Or just, you know, Stephen Colbert had, you know, so down to his bone marrow accepted the idea that anybody talking about the lab leak is a crazy right-wing nut job who should not be trusted on anything. And here's his old friend, John Stewart, echoing that. Oh, my goodness. You know, what's, what's going on here? But I, I also kind of marvel that what is so, – so here we have this where, you know, as I, as I laid out in yesterday's podcast and Monday's Morning Jolt, the folks at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory are really smart, and they've been looking at biological weapons and viruses for a very long time. So yes, this is absolutely in their wheelhouse. This is absolutely an area of their expertise, and we probably should sit back and listen to them. Oh, by the way, Z Division probably has a better record of keeping secrets than the rest of the CIA. Um, you look at all that, and you're like, wow, this is... And, and the takeaway from Stephen Colbert is, ha, what's with the Department of Energy investigating this? Hey, get back to work on electric car. By the way, I don't know about you, Greg. Does it feel like every other, uh, you, I don't watch a lot of live television anymore, but when I can't fast forward through the commercials on a DVR or something like that, I feel like half the ads are for electric you know, vehicles. And it's usually brands that are known for not making electric vehicles saying, hey, our electric vehicles are cool. We swear where they're not like these other lame, you know, we have real serious electric vehicles. So like, it's just the most tired, whiny complaint ever. And Stephen Colbert, comedian, has decided that, you know, these people who have PhDs at the Department of Energy don't really know what they're talking about. What's with them? Stay in your lane. It's a, a fascinating demonstration of like narrative construction at work. How that narrative can be 180 degrees the opposite of the known facts and what is actually relevant here. And just kind of this, like the other great, Colbert is actually a, fan, a fascinating example of this. Because I don't know if you remember when uh, the Starbucks CEO, Howard Schultz, for a little while, I was thinking about running for president, uh, running for president as an independent. This would, uh, you know, a lot of Democrats perceived that as a challenge, you know, something that would complicate the odds of defeating Trump in 2020. This was like middle of 2019 or so. And then suddenly out of the blue, the moment he did this, Colbert mentioned this in his monologue and started doing jokes about how much Starbucks sucked. How terrible, how unclean the bathrooms were, how terrible the coffee. And it would no, before then, nobody had thought there was anything wrong with Starbucks. Don't tell me Starbucks isn't unpopular. They're on the they're on the corner of every single city in the country. All across cities, you see a ton of them. Uh Greg, just last week they announced that they're opening up a Starbucks in a Starbucks. That's how big they're expanding. <laughs> Old Dennis Miller joke. But the idea be like, and it was as if they you know somebody had flipped a switch and Colbert went into his Starbucks is bad routine. Well, now he's just decided, you know, oh, the Department of Energy is offering something that might be contrary to the narrative preferred by the left. The Department of Energy is bad. And it's like he's like a robot. You just program who the enemy of the day is, who's your Emmanuel Goldstein for 1984 fans. And he just goes at it. 
And there's no rational thought involved in any of that. So by this sense, it's actually kind of fascinating. As comedy, Greg, I did not find that terribly, terribly amusing. Well, he didn't focus on comedy now for years. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. He's just become a a late-night political talk show. And as the ratings will tell you, Gutfeld's doing better than him. But, uh, you know, political comedy, especially late-night, basically died in 2009. They refused to really take serious jabs at Obama. Some did here and there. Uh, Then, of course, Trump was such a serious threat to our uh, very existence that we had to just get serious and demonize him. And then once uh, Biden was in there, who might be the most lampoonable president of our lifetime, I don't know who would even come close. You know, he's just a hugely target-rich environment. They won't even touch him. It's It's just amazing how comedy has suffered in the last 15 years. Also, uh, your good point about your ads, Kevin Bacon, and I assume Kevin Bacon's daughter, I'm not buying it. Will Ferrell, I'm not buying it. You can pitch the cars all you want. <laughs> I want the ones I've The got. only upside to that is that, look, you've got, her, you know, I assume Kevin Bacon's actual daughter there and lots of extras in the background. And I figure the moment all of those extras got hired to play roles in this commercial for the electric <laughs> car, I think they all said, yes, one connection. <laughs> All you have to do is know me, and uh, you're that much closer to Kevin Bacon. That was a fun game. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Uh, Anyway, uh, nonetheless, Jim, crazy day. Uh, We'll see what the news cycle has in store for us tomorrow. See See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell a friend about us as well. Thanks also for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. If you haven't done that yet, please do it. It's a huge help to us. Also, get us on your home devices. Uh, All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Tuesday and join us again on Wednesday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Why are so few singers protesting Hamas? Five for Fighting's John Andrasik has an answer. Talk to some managers and folks, and, and I have, and you know, there's certain iconic artists that in other times would be writing these songs. I'm like, where are they? And they say, well, you know, they're scared. They're scared for their families. They're scared that their concerts will be protested. But those are the same arguments people used in 1938. Hear more on the Hollywood in Toto podcast, The Right Take on Entertainment. Find it on iTunes or your favorite audio platform.